0: Hello, my good friends. Mike Shreve here, founder and head troublemaker of the No Pants Project. You are listening to episode 15 of the No Pants Show. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics, which is the anti-burnout formula. This is a fantastic formula for getting more clarity. It's also a fantastic formula for being able to create something that lasts a long time. It's also a great formula for minimizing the unnecessary stress and work that a lot of people put into building a business. This is great if you are in a stage of growth in your business, which is to say, if you're either getting started or you at a certain income level, you're wanting to get to the next, next income level. If you're sort of just in stasis and management, you're happy with your income, you're happy with your business, this formula might be able to help you a little bit, but this is mostly for those who are looking to make important decisions in their business right now. So this is a decision-making framework as much as it is anything else. And it's a framework that is designed specifically to keep you from making the bad choices which lead to burnout because one of the worst things you can do as a business owner is burnout. Uh, Oftentimes, companies will grow, businesses will grow, freelancers will get lots of clients, they'll hit a wall. And when you burn out, you can ruin relationships, you can... uh, One of the worst things that happens when you burn out is as you're burning these bridges and ruining these relationships and things aren't working and you don't have the passion anymore, what gets infected the worst is your mindset. And I've seen a lot of people burn out and not be able to recover mentally from the new story that they're telling to themselves about what kind of person they are because they burned out. So again, this isn't like a unicorns and rainbow type of thing of me saying you shouldn't work that hard. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to actively prevent burnout and we need to have a framework for making decisions so that you can maintain consistent, solid growth both personally and in your business financially, without running the risk of ending up in a bad situation. Specifically in this episode, we're going to be talking about this framework and how I used it to make the final decision to shut down the No Pants Open community, which was a 17,800 person Facebook group and for those of you who know anything about online marketing, a 17,800 person Facebook group very easily represents at least six figures per year in revenue in terms of it being a marketing channel. There, I've even seen some people turn a group that size. I know one guy who has a 15,000 person group and does seven figures a year just off of the group. That context is important because when we shut it down, a lot of people had really big questions about, is Facebook dying? Are groups no longer viable? They wanted to know the why behind a fairly large decision. We're gonna talk about that, and we're gonna talk about it through the framework of the anti-burnout formula so that you can see the decisions you may need to be making right now in your own business that seem counterintuitive. Because the thing about the anti-burnout formula is that it's a very counterintuitive way of looking at what everybody else is doing and asking yourself the harder questions of what should you be doing. One of the things that gets lost amongst people who are trying to grow a business is that they forget there is such a thing as good, better, best. When you're trying to solve a problem, you know, you've, you've seen the, the the sort of, um, you've, you've, you may have heard the old saying of, uh, to a hammer, everything is a nail. It's that same kind of idea when you're trying to solve a problem, whether it's, I need to grow, I need to get clients, I need to market, I need to, how do I do this? How do I do that? Everything seems like a good idea. Like everything seems like the best idea. They all seem equal in some regard. Even when you sit and do a pros and cons list, they all have pros and cons, so you say to yourself, they're all the same choice, so I should just do them all. Or I should do many of them, because many of them seem like the best choice for me. The problem is, human beings, are limited on time. We live in a universe where time exists. So we only have so many hours in a day, which that in and of itself limits the plausibility of actually being able to do everything. Secondly, as human beings, we have limited energy. There's something called ego depletion, which there's a few studies that are interesting on sort of both sides of the fence, but the ego depletion is this idea of you have limited ability and energy and focus and mental capacity to give to any given thing within a 24 hour cycle. Okay. So your natural body's rhythm You only actually have so many hours you can put into work, especially knowledge work, complex thinking, creativity, before you start to see diminishing returns. So again, that's another case that you can't and shouldn't do everything. And then lastly, there's this thing called passion and interest, which directly contributes. There's a really good book um, called Grit and I believe the author's name is Angela Duckworth. I hope I'm not, it's such a good book, I would be, I'd be so embarrassed if I gave the wrong author. She has the best chapter I've ever re- read on the case for passion, but the way she describes passion is likely not what you're thinking. So her case for passion is that passion is very important because passion is the thing that allows deliberate practice. It's in the book Mastery by Robert Greene, it's in Deep Work by Cal Newport, Her chapter on passion, basically what she's saying is the people who are grittier, the people who stick to something longer, the people who focus on something to get the extra results that that more unfocused or uh, people who don't stick with something as long don't ever experience because they don't ever get to that level of expertise or level of proficiency or level of ability. The people who are able to go deep like that, they do so because they have a natural interest In the thing they are pursuing. So again, another reason why not everything you that is available to you is the thing you should do. Everything is not the best choice. There actually are good choices, better choices, and best choices for me, after applying the anti-burnout formula, which I'll give you here in a second, I realized that a Facebook open community was not the best choice. And the key to the anti-burnout formula, the key to loving your business, The key to staying passionate about what you do is to constantly prune and get rid of the good and the better choices and run a business that relies solely on the best choice for you. So whether it's the best marketing plan for you, the best service offering for you, the best et cetera and et cetera. This is why we talk about why passion is so important. It will help to indicate the best because that's what creates a business that lasts more than three months. Is that sincere passion and interest and continually being able to identify what the best choice for you is so that you don't get bogged down in the good and the better. Now let's talk about the counter argument because there's a lot of advice out there that says, no, if you wanna survive in today's economy, you need to do good, better, and best. You need to do it all. You need to be everywhere, et cetera, et cetera. I actually agree with that at a certain revenue number, which is to say, until you are making $3 million a year, and we'll talk a little bit in a second why three million is the number until you're making three million dollars a year you do not have the capital nor likely the mindset nor likely the access to the resources specifically skill sets such as having a chief operations officer having somebody develop systems having someone to you know, as in a ceo role you likely don't have the mechanism the machinery the processes in place to be able to take on all of the things so yes if you are in a position right now where you want to go from 3 to 5 to 7 to 10 million dollars a year yeah that's how you get there it's called squeezing all of the juice out of the lemon right but if your goal is 5,000 a month 10,000 a month 15,000 a month 50,000 a month, a million a year, you're still in that zone where you need to still maintain what is the best process for you. Now I wanna talk a little bit about the 3 million number and where that comes from. That comes from the past 10 years I've worked with clients through that process and I've seen consistently time and time again There's a really good book called, uh, I think it's the One one Person Million Dollar Per Year Business. I think is what it's called, One Person Million Dollar Per Year Business. With access to the internet these days, it is very possible to be one person with maybe a few virtual assistants on part-time basis, so not employees, not a big team. You have enough access to information, enough access to things like Facebook paid traffic, which is what you would need to scale to a million and et cetera. Et and cetera. you have access to all these things that you could get to a million dollars a year in revenue, revenue, not profit revenue and still be one person. I would argue you could actually I mean, the the boat would be rocking pretty hard. It would feel like an airplane in turbulence, but you could get to three million as a one person with a few virtual assistants. Beyond that, however, you have to begin to dive into stuff, which we don't really talk a lot about here in the No Pants Project, because I don't think most of the people that we serve are in that that range, but my clients that I work with specifically, that's a big part of what we do, is to break them through and out of that one-person idea of it's all me and I'm making all the money. Okay, well, let's build a system. Let's get an operations manager. Let's get management in. Let's build teams and culture and all that sort of stuff. That's all required to get beyond that. So the point I'm trying to make here, not to belabor the, the or to, to delay the anti-burnout formula. I want to give you context around why you have to only choose the best. Now, what we are looking for ultimately is not what are all of the things that you should do to grow your business, but what are the one or two or three things you should do to grow your business. If you're currently at less than six figures a year in your freelancing business and you're doing more than one or two or maybe three things to get clients, or you have more than three or four or five different offers, then you are on the track to burnout, What we are looking for is what is the core. This is part of the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of your results come from 20% of your effort. Let's focus on the 20% to get us to where we want to go. Most people I know, when they hit the six-figure level, they realize they don't need to keep going because the further up you go in revenue, the more problems you have to deal with so there's this dream of like i'm gonna have a team the problem with team is that once you have team you have a whole new set of problems that are specific to team now you have people problems which you maybe didn't have before you have management problems you have skill problems you have what happens if somebody et cetera and et cetera so the higher up you go the more problems you have the more complex it gets so this is why it's so important as you're going through this process of getting to where you want to go to understand that as long as you maintain this uh, this concept of good, better, best, and I only need to be doing the best, and I need to be doing less of the good and the better, you increase your likelihood of actually getting there. And what will likely happen, and you'll we'll see this in uh, step three of the the formula, what's going to happen is you're going to realize The things you thought were going to take you to what you want, probably aren't going to. So this is about clearing the plate, focusing on a few things, and adding predictability really to your business. Because when you only have to focus on a few things, you show up, you do the few things every single day, and the result is fairly predictable. There's one last thing I need to talk about before we talk about the specific formula because if i just gave the formula without context it would not really make that much sense and it's a concept from systems design in other words when you create any system whether it's a personnel system like an org a team organization whether you're creating an sop which is a standard operating procedure whether you're creating a uh, an actual mechanical system There are built-in inefficiencies to every single system, okay? Now, what do we mean by system? What does it have to do with freelancing? Well, for example, the way you write a blog post is a system. It's a system of habits. It's a process that you use to think through. How do I come up with this idea? How do I write this? How do I do that? If you are a designer, you have a system of how you work in Adobe Illustrator. You have habits. You have, first I do this, then I do that, then I do this. You could very realistically, if you took the time, sit down and write out every single tiny step you go through to design a logo, including the decision-making process you use to create, you know, to choose colors, to choose fonts. Well, first I think this and then I check this thing and then I go over here and then I make the decision. You could very realistically go through and you know make a 200 page whatever document of all the things you do to create a, a logo. Maybe it wouldn't be 200 pages, who knows. But the point is you could create that system. So there's systems in every single thing that we do. The way you wake up in the morning is a system. The way you go to bed at night, it's called sleep hygiene, is a system. The good news is, is that once you realize that you're just living in a world full of systems and that you can redesign systems anytime you want, the first step is to actually find out what the system is and then remake the tweaks and redesign it, you realize how much control you have over changing results. Now we'll have a whole podcast someday about systems design, but I just wanna share with you that systems are a real thing and they do in fact dictate the majority of the experience that we live. They can be called habits, but systems is sort of uh, habits plus a few other details. Okay, so systems design. There's a concept in systems design, which is every system, every major system has inefficiencies, which is to say, no system is 100% perfect. You could spend the rest of your life perfecting the system you use to design a logo, to write a blog post. As you, as you learn new things, as you learn new information, as you test new ideas. So, by definition, a system is never entirely perfect. There's always upgrades, there's always things you can do to change it. So, in other words, every system is at best 90% efficient. Or you could say 90% good if you wanted to simplify it even more. So, that means if you have one efficiency or if you have one system in your business, let's say one way to get clients. At best, that method is going to be 90% efficient, and that's at best, right? So you'll only ever be 90% as good as you could be with that single method of client getting, which is fine. That's more than enough to stay fully busy and have a full calendar as a freelancer, as a service provider, as a consultant, whatever it is you do, completely fine to be at 90%. The problem, however, is that when you begin to add more systems, the inefficiencies aren't added to the other inefficiencies. They multiply the inefficiency of the system as a whole. So let's walk that back for a second. What that means is, if you have two ways of getting clients, three ways of getting clients, five ways of getting clients, it's not just 90% plus 90% of like, haha! I now have two 90% ways to get my clients, I'm going to be so successful. No, no, no. In fact, what happens is it's 90% times 90%. And you may say, where is this math coming from? How do you know that? This is what really smart physicists do is they find mathematical solutions to real world happenings. People way smarter than me in engineering and physics have figured out that it's not 90% plus 90%. It's 90% times 90%. Now, if you know anything about math, let me give you an example of what what, what happens. If we have one system that at best can operate at 90%, it means that the efficiency of our system as a whole is 90%. Pretty good. Way more than we ever need. Now if you add two more subsystems, so you have a total of three subsystems in your business, 90% times 90% times 90% equals 73% efficiency. We've just lost 17% of how good our client-getting process is. Now, if you add six systems, so you've, you're doing six different things, you're doing 50 different things, 90 times 90, times 90, times 90, times 90, times 90, equals 53% efficiency. We went from this simple thing at 90% down to this complex thing doing six different things at 53% efficiency. Now you may say, where does the inefficiency come from? Well, every single system needs some kind of management, which requires focus. So for example, let's say that you're using Facebook ads to get your clients, fairly common thing. A lot of people do that. If you have Facebook ads and you've got one campaign, it's easy to measure that campaign every day. You've got your spreadsheet. It's easy to look at it. You can put focus behind it. You can get, it's it's difficult to get confused about one campaign, but when you add two more campaigns and then you add YouTube and then you add AdWords and then you add this thing and you add that thing and you add and you start to add 50 different things, now it becomes difficult to maintain the focus. To be able to make the connections that are necessary. Because of all the things I already said, there's only so much time in the day. So you're, you're going to be spending less time managing each campaign. There's only so much interest that you have in terms of, you know, you can't love everything. Um, and then, you know, also additionally, just you have, there's a di- point of diminishing returns after you look at four campaigns, that fifth, sixth, seventh campaign, your mind is kind of turned into jello. So this concept of systems design and understanding that the more complex your business is, the less efficient it is, is a fairly strong idea to back up the need for an anti-burnout formula to prevent you in a wise way not just saying, I'm not gonna do anything for whatever, but to give you a framework to make the decisions about if I can only have one or three systems, because even a, even a, a business that's, that's operating at 73% efficiency is still a very profitable business, right? And you know, one of the things I always say, learn it from my mentor, one of the most dangerous things in business is, the number one, If you only have one thing going on and all of a sudden that one thing breaks, you're in trouble. So I'm not saying the answer is one. I'm saying the answer is one or two or three. But you need to be wise about what those choices are because if you choose a system that's brilliant and the best for you and it's 90%, whatever kind of client getting process that is, you love it, it's so easy, it's so great. It doesn't take you that long. You do it. And then you add a second client getting process or a second offer or a second whatever into your business and you don't like it or it's not the right fit for you or it isn't what you want to do. You can't expect it to be 90% efficient in and of itself. So now you're looking at a 90% efficiency plus a 30% efficiency. Now you're down below 50% because you added a faulty system right into your business. Okay, so I don't want to get too—I don't want to confuse anybody. I think this is fairly straightforward to follow in terms of conceptually, but now let's put it into some context here. How? Why did? What did? Why did all of this lead to me saying I'm going to shut down a six-figure a year income stream? Well, it's because of the anti-burnout formula. Number one, if all of this is true that we talked about systems design, and I encourage you to go research it yourself to confirm what I'm saying. The first step in the anti-burnout formula is to reduce your options and inputs. A lot of people, when they're trying to scale, okay? We're gonna be talking about scale here ultimately, which is to say they wanna make more money than they've ever made before but they haven't somehow found out how to warp time or they haven't figured out how to, you know, overnight do 60 client projects in a day where they used to only be able to do one a week, okay? We're assuming everything is staying the same. We want to scale, which say we want to make more than we've ever made before. There are really three things that you can do to scale which is to be able to add more value than you've ever added before. One, of course, is just to outsource. So hire someone else to help you. That in and of itself, again, my friends, I would say should be the last thing you ever do is hire. If you can help it. Now, if you're at a point in your business and you're just like, I really need this to be a part of my business, but I really don't want to do it, then automate. And we can have a different discussion about the systemization of automation and how, or sorry, of outsourcing and how to properly hire someone else and how to build the systems, how to build the documentation, how to build the culture, how to do all of those things. That can be a different conversation. But that's the first way that you do that. The second way that you can scale is to automate. So figure out if a software does it or build a software that doesn't. If you're so fortunate to be interested in that stuff, I wish I was interested in programming. I think it'd be so cool to be able to create automations for people, but I'm unfortunately not naturally interested in that process. The third thing is you just eliminate. People forget that the one of the best ways to scale is to just get rid of a bunch of distractions and things in your way. So the first step to the anti-burnout firm formula is not to go outsource and automate. It's to make a list. This is your action item. Get a piece of paper, make a list of everything that you're currently doing or everything that you're thinking about doing. And I mean everything. What do you do when you wake up? What do you do when you go to sleep? What do you think about what do you spend your time on what do you etc and etc one of the best act- activities you could ever do is something that I like to do I've been doing it for years I check in every quarter what I do is I sit down and I say okay uh, from 9 a.m. to 9 15 I was doing this from 9 15 to 10 30 I did this from 10 30 to 20 whatever I did this and what you'll find is where you're wasting time just in terms of I spent four hours on YouTube today <laughs> but also where you're wasting time and stuff that maybe in the moment you thought it was the best thing to do but in retrospect you realize that was not a good use of my time. You want to do the same activity. You can either literally trace a whole week or just sit down and list everything that you do but step one of the anti-burnout formula is to list out everything. And compare it to what you're actually trying to do, and then to start eliminating everything that isn't the best way to get what you want. So, for example, if you want to get a client, and some of the things you're doing are spending time cold outreach, and then you're spending time watching YouTube videos, and then you're spending time Uh, buying and learning from new gurus and then you're spending time uh, playing with Facebook ads, not really doing anything with Facebook ads, just playing with them and then you're spending time worrying and stressing and then of all of those things, the only thing I've listed so far that's actually gonna move you towards getting a client is sending those cold outreach, whether emails or LinkedIn messages or whatever. So you would eliminate All of the other things that aren't the best path forward to help you get what you want it's a it's a reduction in options and inputs why because of the systems design math that I told you about the problem is is that when you waste time doing other stuff that isn't important it's not like you're like let's say let's say for example you're doing Facebook ads to get clients And you're doing a whole bunch of other stuff that just isn't the best, whatever it is, a waste of time has nothing to do with what you're trying to do, or or at least it's not the best version of trying to do what you want to do. Okay. If you continue to do those good and better things, what you are saying is that you're allowing those other systems in your business. So it's the systemization. It's almost like systemization by omission. You know how like you can lie by just like withholding information by allowing the like, by passively allowing other things into your day and time and mind and life you could without even realizing it be adding systems to your business and remember the math. The more systems you have, the less efficient the whole system is as a whole, which is to say your Facebook ads will suffer in their efficiency, meaning you will not get as good a result from your Facebook ads because of the other systems that are robbing the efficiency of the mechanism as a whole. Okay? Now, be careful also to not over compartmentalize. So I am not suggesting that you become a machine and only focus on Facebook for your whole life because there are other aspects of you as a person. This is the anti-burnout formula, not the spend 16 hours a day only doing Facebook formula. The anti-burnout formula says all of the things that you want. So if you want to get healthy, Stop trying to do 50 things to get healthy. Choose the best thing to get healthy. Focus on that. For example, I spent a long time in my world, in my life, like a few years, when I just ran. That's all I did. That was the only thing I did for health. I didn't even really do diet that much. But for my health, I just ran and ran and ran. i run run hours and hours and hours. The healthiest I'd ever been. I didn't even do push-ups or sit-ups or anything like that. I was just running. Then I got distracted by weightlifting. And then I thought, oh, then there's this thing. And then there's that thing. And there's all these different things that I could do. And guess what happened? (laughs) My health went down the drain. Because now I wasn't running as well as I used to run. So that became less efficient. And I wasn't efficiently doing the other things either. I was just half doing a bunch of stuff. If you're listening to this podcast, you want more than you already have. And I don't necessarily mean more in terms of just like piling up stockpiles of money, but you want to improve yourself. What I am suggesting and what seems to be scientifically, or at least there's scientific evidence to back up this idea is that the deeper you go on something, the more of it you get rather than dabbling in all of the things. Most of what we want comes from at least the approach to, if not actual obtaining of mastery. So if we want, for example, a six pack abs, the six pack abs don't come to people who dabble in fitness. You're seeing somebody who has dedicated a significant amount of time, energy, effort, discipline, knowledge, etc., to get six pack abs. The six-pack abs of happiness of financial success of etc and etc require the same core actions mindset beliefs etc uh you know i i believe i believe it's angela duckworth who wrote the book grit she calls all of that grit so she has a full like framework for what that um, and I, i like her book because She is a scientist, so she's a researcher, and she uses actual facts in her personal development work rather than just pulling stuff out of the sky, which is much appreciated by someone like me. Okay, now, so you reduce the options and the inputs, and let me give you an example. The Facebook group, 17,800 people, you think, man, that was really dumb to shut it down. That was such a marketing. Why did you do that? What? because it was stealing efficiency from other more profitable elements of my business. If you were in the No Pants Project open community, you know it wasn't a great place. Like it wasn't the best Facebook group that's ever been alive, right? I mean, engagement was kind of meh. I was there sometimes. It was not the group that I was necessarily proud of right because I want to be you know I want to offer people the best of something not just dabbling halfway in halfway out but the problem was because I let that system into my business it affected the efficiency of the other system so not only was it as its own system operating at 53% But it was affecting my other systems as well. And so the mechanism as a whole was not working as well as it should have been. We'll talk a little bit about second order consequences and sourcing in a second. But I want you to understand when I sat down and was listing all of the things that I was doing, I realized I had best options for getting to where I wanted to go. And the Facebook group was not on that list of best options. And so, ruthlessly, I mean, I will, we had so many messages of people just angry that we shut it down. But this is what is required to not burn out. Because let me tell you, the worst business to run is one that's 50% inefficient because it causes unnecessary stress. You aren't able to deliver on the things you want to deliver on. You aren't able to get the results you want to get. You aren't able to uh, feel the freedom and the flexibility and the et cetera and all the good feelings we desire from our business is impossible to feel at a 53% inefficient business. Instead, when your business is operating at inefficiency, it's kind of like your mind is split in two. You don't even know how to make decisions anymore. It's a very confusing and frustrating place to be. And so we eliminated it. And we'll talk a little bit about, well, why didn't you just hire someone? We'll talk about that in a second. All right, so step one is to reduce your options and inputs, make that list, cross off what isn't best focus down on what is if you need help and guidance on figuring out what best is that's what mentors are for so I talked to every single mentor I could trying to trying to get the so where they because they they were they are excuse me they are at where I want to be so I asked them for their retrospective advice meaning them having gone through this same process to help me to identify of everything I just listed what's best so that's the value of mentorship okay is having somebody to be able to help you to identify which is good better which is best because oftentimes it's difficult for us to identify but try your best okay all right step number two is we need to source and retrace what are called second order consequences so we've talked about second order consequences many times on this podcast we likely will continue to talk about it into the future it's one of the most fascinating Realities that we live in. Second order consequence is this simple. If a butterfly flaps its wings in San Francisco, does it cause a tornado in Texas? Now, I don't think it does. I don't think that any real scientist would say that that's true. That's a almost like a meme of the concept, but the actual concept is true. Like it is scientific in nature. Here's an example of, of, of second order consequences. If I miss the bus to school like if my son misses the bus to school that's not the only consequence there are third fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth to a hundred order consequences of that single action misses a day at school maybe that reaffirms that if he misses the bus it's okay to miss the bus And then he's going to make a different choice in another time and et cetera, et cetera. Or maybe just more practically, he misses the bus. That means he has to stay home. Maybe that means I don't get as much work done because when my son's home, it's very difficult not to just play with him all day. And that's, you know, that's not to say anything about him other than I love when he's home, right? It's like a lot of fun, play Lego, play games, whatever we're going to do. So maybe I miss a day of work and then the day starts to close and I start to get frustrated that, oh my gosh, I, you know, I didn't get what I wanted done. And then maybe I'm cranky. And then that goes to my wife and et cetera. So there's, there's, there's a, a cascade effect. And this is called second order consequences, which is, it's not the immediate stuff that is necessarily the problem. It's like you eat a piece of candy and you think to yourself, there's only 20 calories in this. I'm not going to gain weight but what happens to the sugar in your body, how it affects your brain, how it changes the neural pathways. And then that leads to this and to this and to this. You drink a soda four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm gonna be fine. You stay up till four o'clock in the morning. There's consequences to all of that, right? So the second step of the anti-burnout formula is to source the second order consequences, which is to say again, pen and paper Start listing out the things that you're either considering on the chopping block, so maybe they land in the better category, or do this for everything that you do. It sounds horrible, but I'm. this is, you know, this is the kind of stuff that most people don't do, so if you do it, you're going to be, you're gonna have an unfair advantage because you're just thinking through this stuff that most people don't think through. Let me give you an example from the Facebook group that I shut down. Well, the Facebook group, I had to post there every single day, right? That was, you know, after doing some, uh, there was a point where I didn't do anything. And there was a point I tried to dabble here and there. And then I realized the best way to get engagement was going to be to post every single day. Well, that takes time and energy. It takes focus. It takes creative ability. And there are consequences to me choosing to post in that group versus an, a long number of other things so for example one of the consequences is, is that if i post in there now i've used that idea in the group instead of my daily email now i need to come up with another idea for my daily email so now the daily email which used to take me 15 to 20 minutes is now taking me 45 minutes so now it's squeezing and compressing the little time i had left after i already posted and you can see how that spirals if i post in the open group the free group Now what am I doing for the paid students? Now I think I have to do something extra for the paid students. Or maybe I start to feel guilty that, gosh, I'm posting in here. I'm not doing anything over here. And again, there's so many consequences to that one simple action of just posting every day in the group. And you have to start to ask yourself, of the second order consequences, is it worth what I'm putting in? Another one, the daily trolls. Every single day, somebody would either try to share something inappropriate, they would try to just argue because the internet, and you know how forums are on the internet, has nothing to do with the no pants, it's just the way that the internet works, people are trolls and they like to fight and argue and speculate, and frankly, they're not measuring their own second order consequences of the time they're spending trolling instead of actually implementing one of their best strategies. So complete time wasters, completely, you know, to me, whenever I see a troll, it's very clear they haven't yet discovered much of what will help them get to what they want but dealing with those trolls it had not just the time effect but there were mental and emotional effects as well there were times where somebody would troll me in the facebook group and i'm not joking you and i'm not trying to be overly dramatic there were days where someone would troll me and i thought about just shutting the entire pro like just i just thought about shutting it all down now i wouldn't have actually done it but it made me feel that way about this particular business because I've got my fiction. I've got my freelancing. I don't need to be doing the no pants project. Like it is not a need to do business for me. So I would get this attitude of what I just said of like, well, I don't need to do this. Why am I even doing this? And then team members would interact with me and students would interact with me and problems that used to be easy to solve in that mindset of I don't even need to be doing this. Why am I even doing this anymore? Now, as a second order, third order, fourth order, fifth order consequence, now I'm making bad decisions about solving problems and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera. And you say, well, why don't you just hire someone? Well, the thing about hiring someone is they could be the best person in the world, but there's still a huge process to hiring. So I did hire someone, I hired a couple of someone's and you know what, they were amazing, they were incredible, but I sucked as the person to hire. I didn't give them any tools, I didn't tell them what the culture was, I didn't tell them what my expectations were, I didn't have any SOPs, I didn't have any expectations, I didn't have any baseline KPIs. There were so many things that I didn't have so when I hired someone, there was this looming cloud over me of, I know they're not doing what we need to be doing because I haven't, I haven't met with them. We don't have weekly meetings. We don't have the, um, the documentation or the strategy or, and I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. So there was anxiety and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm paying for this, but I know it's not what we need to be doing. And So these are the second and third and fourth order consequences. And I knew I wasn't going to make an SOP. I knew I wasn't going to make a full-blown culture guide and go through a create style guides for posts and all these. I knew I wasn't going to invest that energy and time because it wasn't even better. It was just a good thing to do. So this is why you have to, when you're building your business, measure and source the things you're doing. Just because someone says you should have a Facebook group doesn't mean you should have a Facebook group. So step two of the anti-burnout formula is source and retrace all second order consequences. Be mindful of what the cascade effect is in you either devoting time towards something or engaging in something or doing something or even thinking about doing something. Ask yourself, okay, if I do this, What are the effects going to be? What's going to happen five consequences down the line of consequence order? All right, so that's step number two. Step number three is take an honest look at your goals. And what I mean by honest look, when you have an opportunity to do something, ask yourself why. So, for example, I wanted a big Facebook group. I really did, I wanted a big online community. But then when I asked myself why I want it, I found the answer to not be worth the sacrifice it was going to take to actually maintain and create that Facebook group. And I'll be totally honest with you and totally transparent because I think that's the most helpful way to present information. I wanted that open community for two reasons. One is I wanted people to like me. That's a true story. The dopamine dumps I would get from comments of people saying this is an awesome post and the notification coming on Facebook, that stuff is addicting. And I don't think it's very good for the ego, but it is what I wanted. I liked to be liked, like I think most people do, but I really liked that. And it's fun to be liked by lots of people. And the open community is bigger than our student communities by definition. Most people aren't gonna buy from you, right? That's a truth of any business, no matter what business you're doing, most people just aren't gonna buy from you. So that means you're always gonna have a lot more people on the fence or window shopping or prospects or potentials than you will actually have students. So it's fun to have lots of people say nice things And the second thing is I wanted money, I wanted sales. The purpose of the group was not just to give my time away for free, because consider the second order consequences of that when I've got kids, I got a wife, I have hobbies, you know, I have mental health, I have personal health, I have a, just giving away your time for free is not a good strategy for anything. Like have a purpose for what you're doing. So I wanted those two things, but then when you really started to analyze and ask yourself why, well, why do you want the more money or why do you want to be liked? And you start to ask, well, so for example, let me walk you through how many times you ask yourself why, well, why do you want more money? Well, I want more money so that I can maybe hire more people and build a bigger team. Okay. Well, why? Well, cause I want to affect more people. Okay. Well, why? Uh, cause it feels good to affect other people. Okay. Why? Well, because and like you keep going and keep going, and keep going, and what's going to happen? And this is what happened. And, I'm not, and this is uh, again transparency here. So uh, I, I might be risking looking like a silly person, but I realized that when it bo- when it came down to both the people liking me and the money aspect, that neither of those things were actually true at all. And I also found that I could what I ended up actually wanting, which I think I'll keep that one to myself, but what I ended up actually wanting, I could get more efficiently with my students. So when we're talking about honest goals analysis, what we're actually talking about is getting down to the real honest truth about what it is you want and why you want it. We talked about that in one of our episodes recently, talking about what you want. And then instead of doing the weird like, thing that humans do where we We want to go in a straight line, but for some reason we feel like we have to do this complicated loop-de-loop before we get to where we want to go. Instead of trying to run a Facebook group, which was taking all my time and causing me stress and et cetera, et cetera, I just realized, oh my gosh, shut this down. And why don't I just go get the thing that I want in a much more simple, straightforward, more efficient, best way? And for those of you who are wondering, what is the best way for me to get the thing that I want? I won't tell you what I want, but there's two things I'm doing right now. One is completely redesigning the entire No Pants Project program from scratch to make it significantly better. And this is a program that already creates six-figure freelancers. Tons of people have been able to quit their job and et cetera, et cetera. I'm gonna make it the absolute best program that's ever existed, ever. And I'm pouring an unbelievable amount of time, energy, resources, and money to making it better. And the second thing is, I went from doing an hour Q&A a a week. Now my Q&As are two hours every week. Those two things are significantly more effective and efficient at getting what I want. And so I cut the Facebook group off. This is what you have to do in order to not burn yourself out, is to be aware of the why, 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 why. For example, why do you want to get to six figures? Well, I want to get to six figures because I want to have financial security. Okay, well, why do you want financial security? Well, because I don't want to have to really worry about my finances anymore. I want to be able to retire. Okay, well, why do you want to retire? Well, because I don't like the job I'm in right now. Okay, so then do you really want to retire? Or do you just want to not be in the job that you're in right now? Or is getting to six figures the best way to take care of your finances? Or is just being better with your money the best way to take care of finances? Now, I'm not discouraging anyone from going you know, after the six-figure level if that's what they want. But what I'm trying to say is ask your, question your desires so that you can get to them faster. Don't just take the surface level assumption that because someone said you should make six figures, you're like, that sounds like what I want. Instead, question what it is, why do you want it, and then find the best path, the most efficient path to getting that exact thing it'll prevent you from burnout and i promise you'll be significantly happier so action item for step three is drill down to ask yourself why do i want this why do i want this why 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 and then do that instead of all the other nonsense find the fastest path to that instead of everything else now, in the end of doing this three step formula, so really quick reminder. Step one, reduce your options and inputs. Step two, source and retrace your second order consequences. And then step three, take an honest goals analysis. The end result of this entire process is that you should have less work, a straighter path and better results in terms of both quantitative and qualitative indicators. So not only should you have more of what you want, but what you get should mean more. So my dear friends, that's it for me. Episode 15 of the No Pants Show. The reason I shut down that 17,800 person Facebook group is because I applied the anti-burnout formula to make sure that I'm only doing the best because what's more important to me than nearly anything is my mental well-being, my physical health, my emotional well-being, my family. This business stuff is just a way to pay the bills. It's just the income. It's one part of my life. It's not my entire life. I highly recommend going through this process for wherever you're at right now. And again, this is something you have to do over and over again. I've been in business for 10 years. I had to do the anti-burnout uh, anti, uh, formula. I had to do it a couple months ago. So it's a, it's a tool that you can use over and over and over again. And again, as you can see, it's a decision-making framework, meaning it can help you to make better for you decisions. Now that the Facebook group is gone, I'm, it's, it is almost like night and day difference. Our Facebook ads are gonna start doing better here this week and there's some other reasons why those are, those are um, gonna get better as well. Uh, the business itself has become really simple to run. I've now been able to take all that time and attention and continue to apply the anti-burnout formula to other areas of this business and my other businesses and etc. It's a constant pruning to make sure you're maximizing efficiency. All right, my friends, that is it for me today. This Sunday evening, episode 15 of the No Pants Show, the anti-burnout formula, why I shut down a 17,800 person Facebook group. I hope this was helpful. If you'd like to apply to work with me, please go to thenopantsproject.com forward slash video. We'll take you straight to the application process. If you'd like to see a case study on why i or how i created a 26,500 a month freelancing business you can also go to the nopantsproject.com and watch that video as well again hopefully this was helpful and i'll see you tomorrow